Welcome back to A Better Night's Sleep, the podcast about sleep, sleep disorders, and evidence-based treatment from military health sleep experts. I'm Dr. Julie Kinn with the Defense Health Agency. And I'm Colonel Brian Robertson, the Chief of Sleep Medicine at Walter Reed. Colonel Robertson, today we have a couple of questions I'm hoping you can help us with that we receive from listeners about their CPAP machines. So the first one is, when are you going to make a CPAP machine that actually improves my sleep? The ones we have cure your apnea, no problem, but they make getting a night's sleep absolutely impossible. It might just be that I have a super gigantic head, but the masks just don't say put or they're too tight. Cold droplets of condensed breath juice landing on your face. This is very descriptive. I also had a bad experience with my appointed CPAP gear provider, so maybe I never got the right stuff to begin with. Okay. What do you think? Are these common problems? <laughs> yeah, so we'll start with the uh, the most disgusting part. So breath juice. So <laughs> it's it's not breath juice. So almost, uh, well, almost every CPAP machine um, that's on the market now uh, has a humidification chamber in it. And the people that are using the CPAP, what they should do is put distilled water in that chamber. And air mm-hmm. is blown across the top of that water, sometimes bubbled through, but almost always just blown across the top. And there's a heating element that heats the water up and it humidifies the air. So air, if you remember from uh, high school physics, you might remember that air can only hold a certain amount of water vapor. And the amount that it holds is more at higher temperatures and lower temperatures. So condensation can happen, just like condensation on the outside of a, a nice cup of iced tea on a, a hot summer day. You'll get these little droplets of water on the outside, and that's because that glass is cold. The same thing happens with the distilled water that gets vaporized into the air of the CPAP machine. And then when it's going through the tube, it will cool down. Usually this happens in the winter when the air is cold in the bedroom and it'll condense and then you'll get these little droplets in there now a few is not bad but over time they sort of add up and you get more and more and more of these little droplets that are sitting in the tubing and then what happens is a very annoying thing where it starts spitting this little droplets of water at your face it's very annoying it wakes patients up it's you know it's cold water it doesn't feel very good uh and so that's a problem so the solution is one warm up the bedroom that's one way. Oh, okay. uh, the second solution would be to get a heated tube. So almost all the manufacturers, you can get a heated tube that will keep the tubing warm and keep that from happening. And the third thing you could do is turn down the humidification a little bit so it's not putting so much water vapor into that air that you're, that's going through the tube. How warm a bedroom are we talking here? Because I know colder is better for good sleep hygiene. So... A comfortable temperature for the air to come out of that machine is actually pretty warm, about 80 degrees. It actually feels really good. You would think it wouldn't, but it it does. It feels really good. And if a bedroom's like 60, 65 degrees, which sometimes people's bedrooms are that cool in the winter, that's enough. That that 10, 15 degree drop in temperature is enough for that condensation to happen. But that's a solution. Either warm the room up, warm the tube up, or have less water in the air to begin with. Okay, well, at least it's not breath juice. It's definitely not breath juice. So that's, uh, that's something else. So the other question was, oh, about mask fit, about having a super yeah. good gigantic head. Okay, so there's probably about 15 or 20 masks on the market um, mm-hmm. at any given time. And they come on and off. The manufacturers of these devices are always coming up with a new greatest mask. 
one of the tasks that anybody that has CPAP machine has is to find the right mask. Now, some people might, there might be five or six masks that they could wear and be happy. Some people, it just seems like only one, it makes the, makes things work for them. Hmm. So you have to find the right mask for you. People ask me, which mask should I use? And I say, it's the one that you wear all night. So that's mm-hmm. the answer. And that's something that you have to work out with the company that's providing you the CPAP supplies. You can go to them and say, hey, this mask isn't working and let's try something else. I've had patients go through five or six masks before they find the right one. But once mm-hmm. they find the right one, they're off to the races. Yeah, it's probably worth shopping around a bit. It is worth shopping around. You just have to try them out. A lot of companies, when they when you first talk to them, what they'll do is let you try on several masks, and then you have to kind of guess which one works the best for you. Right. Another important thing about fitting masks is that they sometimes they can feel too tight, and this question, I think they asked about that too. Cleaning the mask is very important. So oil from your face will get on the silicone that is that oh. forms the fa- part of the mask that touches your face. That oil interferes with the seal so that the mask doesn't leak air. So an important thing to do is before you go to bed is wash the mask with soap and water. The hand soap is fine. And then wash your face with soap and water. And that gets the oil off the mask and it gets the oil off your face. You're going to generate oil from your face all night long while you're using it. So the next morning there is going to be a little bit of facial oil on there. And that just needs to be washed off every night. That will Every night. Every night, yeah. That's something you need to wash every night. It'll also, um, there are enzymes in that facial oil that will slowly degrade the silicone of the mask. And so you really, to make it last longer, washing that thing every night is important. And then the last question had to do with just, I think he was trying to get at um, this thing called acclimation, which means just getting used to wearing CPAP. Mm -hmm. So my answer to this, it's kind of like CPAP, wearing CPAP is like wearing a seatbelt. In that if you had never worn one in your life and then we said, hey, every time you get in the car, you got to wear this thing. You put it on, you'd feel trapped and claustrophobic and it just wouldn't feel right. But if you drove around with your seatbelt on for a few weeks, you kind of get used to it. Yeah. And in fact, now the average listener, you know, they don't even think about it. They just put the seatbelt on. It doesn't even cross their mind not to wear it. And in fact, if they didn't wear it, they would feel vulnerable and uncomfortable. Right. So the same kind of thing happens with CPAP. You have to get used to this. Sometimes on my clinic, we will use uh, medications quite often, sleeping meds, to help people for the first two or three weeks of using CPAP, and they help them get acclimated to wearing CPAP. So people get to the point where they do it. And here's the thing. If you are sleepy and you have sleep apnea and you wear the CPAP, you'll have less fragmented sleep, and that will lead to better rest, you'll feel better in the morning, and everybody wants to feel good. Mm-hmm. And so the hook, right, the thing that keeps people wearing CPAP is that they feel better when they wear it, and they feel bad when they don't. And that's how you get, we have to get people to that point where they realize that, oh, yeah, you know, when I wear CPAP, I feel good. That's the hook. That's what keeps them coming back. And to get to that point where it's internally reinforcing, right? you have to get acclimated. You just have to get acclimated. Sometimes if people have trouble with this, one thing I'll recommend, and I think it's a good idea, is to actually watch a sports game, like a long one, or even several of them on a Saturday, and wear the mask with the machine on while you're watching the game. Now, you won't be able to talk to your friends or anything, <laughs> but, uh, but what you will do is get acclimated to it. You'll get used to wearing it, and because you're distracted, you won't be thinking about it. That's really good advice. And we sometimes will do that, and then we'll kind of ease people into it. So if you've had a hard time with wearing CPAP, 
try it wearing it while you're awake doing something and then maybe take a nap with it or just mm-hmm. try it out for like an hour or so while you're laying down in your bed. A lot of times that does the job for us. Uh, that's fantastic. And I'm guessing we can substitute panda videos on YouTube for the sports games. Exactly. Right. Excellent. Right. Just checking for yep. for our other segments of listeners. Right. <laughs> this is great advice. We had another question kind of related to this. A listener wanted to know about traveling with CPAP. She has a travel size CPAP machine, but she says, I've seen these tiny little devices that I'm sure are no substitute, but curious if there's anything current or on the way. So really small little CPAP machines, mm-hmm. travel CPAP. Mm-hmm. There are some travel CPAPs on the market. Some are better than others. If you're going to get one, uh, the first thing is, is that you have, if you have a regular CPAP, no insurance is going to pay for the travel one. So oh. it's on you to purchase it. You can purchase it from it from one of these medical supply companies. The people that supply you with a CPAP, mm-hmm. I'm sure, would be glad to sell you one. Uh, if you like. So that works. Some of them are very small, maybe two to three times the size of a, a large cell phone, smartphone. Oh, And then really others, yeah. yeah, and then others are probably, I'm trying to think of something, probably about half the size of a shoebox. Okay. Now, all the listeners should know this too. You can take your CPAP on a plane. It's covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act as a medical device. Hmm. The airlines are not allowed to charge you for taking it on the plane. Uh, and it doesn't count as an extra bag or anything like that. So wow. you you can carry the CPAP on. You just have to carry it on, right? So that's the, the downside. The right. one other travel issue that my patients run into is getting distilled water. So you remember I told the oh, told you that we, we want to use distilled water in these things. Well, when you land, you can't take distilled water in through security. So right. uh, one of the stops my, my patients have to make is at a drugstore at their destination to go buy some distilled water so they can use their CPAP correctly. There's probably a market for distilled right. water in airport terminals. <laughs> Uh, someone will come up with that bright idea one day, I think. Would not have thought of that. Wow. Right. Well, thanks for giving away that good idea so yeah. some enterprising listener can go make a million. That's right. Yeah. So so being really planful, but also knowing your rights and bringing it with you if and the full-size one is what's working for you. Right. Absolutely. I will say the travel CPAPs, they cost, I would expect to pay somewhere between 600 to $1,200 for the travel CPAP. And I will also tell you that some of them are, like I said, some are better than others. Some are very quiet. Others are very loud. None of them have a built-in battery. You have to plug them in anyway. So it's not like you can wear it on the plane. Hmm. So that's another another consideration too. Okay. Fantastic. We have one last question related to sleep apnea today. I'm sure we'll Mm -hmm. get more after this episode. How successful and risky is the surgery for sleep apnea? So we consider surgery, um, for most patients, it is something that we do if they fail at the non, uh, non-surgical non treatments. So CPAP mm-hmm. and these things called mandibular advancement devices, which are basically, uh, think of two mouthpieces that kind of okay. hook together and keep your jaw, pull your jaw forward a few millimeters. Those are our two non-surgical treatments for sleep apnea. The surgeries work to a degree. The problem is is that they often 
it's hard for the surgeons to know where exactly the sleep apnea is happening. So there's, it can happen at multiple levels, from the back of your nose down to your vocal cords. And so exactly where the blockage is happening can be difficult to determine because it's not, you can't just take an x-ray and find this information out. Uh, it's a dynamic thing. It, you go to sleep, it looks different than when you're awake. That's one of the things that makes the surgeries tricky. So generally, they don't work as well. It could be hit or miss. Yeah, it can be hit or miss. But if someone can't use CPAP, can't do these oral appliance uh, devices with the, the mouthpieces, then surgery is definitely a good option for them. Okay. So the surgery can work if the correct area is identified, but it's definitely not a panacea. It's not going to cure all for everybody. It's not. And also, you know, you, you sort of took the plunge when you have surgery. Like, you, yeah. you know, I can't do too much. It either worked or it didn't work. Um, there's not a lot mm-hmm. of adjustment to be made. I think it's a very individualized decision. Uh, when patients yeah. want surgery, I send them to the ENT surgeons who do most of this work and have them sit and talk with a patient. Sometimes people have very small jaws. Yeah, so really, really soft chins. Um, those people might benefit from a surgery that um, there's a special kind of surgeon called an oromaxillofacial surgeon that does the surgery where they actually advance the jaw and sometimes the uh, maxilla. So the maxilla is where your upper teeth are, that part of your face, and just kind of move your face forward and it makes more space to breathe. That surgery actually works well. And to tell you the truth, some of the studies suggest it works better than a lot of the other surgeries. Oromaxillofacial surgeons. Those are the people that do that one. And it sounds like an interesting area for us to keep our eyes on in the literature over the next few years. Yes, absolutely. Well, we know that sleep apneas are very common, so I'm expecting we'll have more questions on this topic down the road. Thank you so much to our listeners who wrote in today, and I I really appreciate the the graphic and wonderful use of adjectives. (laughs) It's always a pleasure to read. It was a lot of fun. Thank you again, Colonel Robertson, for joining us. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. A Better Night's Sleep is produced by the Defense Health Agency. Please get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter at Military Health, and our email address is in the show notes. Thanks so much for those of you who have subscribed and rated us wherever you listen to podcasts. And we hope you have a better night's sleep tonight. <laughs>